He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphreys with you. We are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. What you need to do right now, head to GolfOklahoma.org. Check out everything they have to offer and make sure that you subscribe. That is important. Subscribe, GolfOklahoma.org. Or you can listen to our podcast right there on the home page, golfoklahoma.org. Also, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, Apple, Google, Spotify, The Works, go ahead and give us a rating and subscribe to the podcast as well to make sure that you continue to listen moving forward. As golf season seems like it's halfway over, but it is just heating up. We've still got the Open Championship across the pond. We've got the Olympics. We've got the playoffs. We've got the Ryder Cup. We've got so much left this season in the game of golf. Uh, we're going to get into a lot more later in the show. We'll talk a little bit of Prairie Dunes. We'll preview the Travelers. Before we do all that, we're joined by our good friend Jim Woodward to talk a little U.S. Open. Woody joining us here. Woody, it is a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday in the state of Oklahoma. We appreciate you joining us. How are you doing today? It's beautiful. I like this cool weather, boys. It's, uh, it gives us a little uh, reprieve from that heat. I played in a nutcracker over the weekend and not only do I not play golf anymore, I don't play when it's 100. I about died. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice and toasty out there. Uh, a lot hotter than it was out in La Jolla, California at Torrey Pines for the U.S. Open. The only thing that was hot was John Rahm's putter at the end of the tournament. Those putts on 17 and 18, Woody, I mean, those putts have got to be up there whenever you look at just iconic U.S. Open moments. This was a tournament that was there for the taking. I mean, there were 10 guys headed to the back nine who could still win the tournament, and we were all just waiting for one guy to do something special, and John Rahm did something special on 17 and 18. What would you make at the end of that tournament? Well, you know, majors are so funny because uh... – there's there's one guy that wins it and there's a number of guys that step on themselves and uh that was such a classic example of that now i don't care you could take john rom out there with a bucket of balls on 17 and 18 let him put those putts over and over again and the odds will tell you it's not in his favor i think from the distance on 18 there's a 17 percent chance that a tour pro will make that putt it looked like to me it broke about three feet and so the one on uh, 17. Um, and he made them both right in the middle. So, um, like we were saying, do you believe in destiny or karma? And uh, it looked like it to me that weekend for sure for him. Woody, I just got to give you a big congratulations. It was John Rom, your pick uh, on – uh, in the U.S. Open, so Woody, I mean, what what did you see before the tournament? I mean, it's, you know, obviously with the uh, things that happened at the Memorial, but what did you see in his game that made made that course uh, perfect for John Rum? Well, he's played there before well. He's won there, actually. Um, you know, it's going to sound crazy, you guys, but the way he handled that COVID deal at the Memorial – spoke volumes to me that he's maturing. Uh, I know a baby, once you have a child, your perspective in life changes because all of a sudden now you've got something that you're going to have to take care of till you die. And uh, 
I think it was an eye opener for him. I hope it was. Uh, it looked like it mellowed him a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong; he still got that fire in his belly. You saw that during the week, but there were just so many factors that were <clears throat> kind of adding up to me that he was going to have a good week. But you know, you can pick somebody to win. Like I said, I laugh when we do this because, uh, given a different scenario, there were. A number of guys that could have won: Woosman, DeChambeau, Kepka, uh, you know, uh, Morikawa. They, they were all, like you said, all had an opportunity. It was just Rom that grabbed it by the throat and took it, and uh, good for him. You know, Woody, I, I got to say, I'm a little upset because you told me before you gave your picks if I was going to bet not to bet much. And, and had I done it, I was thinking about going to my savings and getting my mortgage and, and betting the lot. Yeah. I would have been rich as could be. So I might yeah. have, I might yeah. have to start uh, start taking a little bit higher investments whenever you start giving your pick because you've been on fire, especially when the majors are in California. But, uh, you know, whenever well, – Go ahead, Woody. Be careful. <laughs> I've told you that. Be careful. I I would not bet my mortgage on anything that I say. Uh, <laughs> however, that was uh, that was pretty good because uh, uh, you know it, it looked like the right pick, and lo and behold, it was. But again, don't let's not go crazy. I picked two winners, and that's that's nothing to brag about. <laughs> I, I call it a streak, Woody. So we'll we'll we'll, set, we'll leave it at okay. that. But uh, you know, we we talked so much before when we had you on about about course setup, and you knew so so much about Tory. Gave so much great insight. How did how did you think the course and the USGA set it up compared to what uh, what you think it would before the tournament started? Well, of course, it was harder because it's with the rough. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm hoping the USGA starts kind of going away a little bit from from that deep, deep rough because it just plays into the bombers. Not only does it allow them to hit it further down there and get it in the deep rough, but they're strong enough to get it out of that rough. So. What it does is it just minimizes your field. If they keep playing their opens with that kind of rough, it's going to be hard, guys, not to bet against a bomber every time they do it. That's just my two cents on it, though. Yeah, what do you pin down this tournament pretty uh, accurately when you talked about the back nine and how tough it plays? Uh, you know, all week it was not not necessarily a boring tournament, but it was all leading up to that back nine on Sunday. Uh, and we saw, like Colby said, the only guy that finished strong was John Rahm. Uh, just tell tell the listeners a little bit more about that back nine because we saw it in action and, you know, it, it was like the, the whole back nine was covered in oil because everyone was leaking. Well, and it, it'll, it'll give you the chance, guys. It'll make you look either really good or really bad simply because you've got <clears throat> the par threes are really hard. Uh, 11 and 16 are both really difficult shots. Then you throw those brutal par fours in there, which I think 12 is one of the hardest holes on that golf course. Um, 14 never seems to play that hard, but I think 15 is a great hole, and as we see – 17 can jump up and bite you, just like it did Louis Tazen. Well, that surprised me when he pulled that ball into the hazard because he's got so much room to the right uh, to play the hole. But those holes just set up for a disaster. And then, of course, you always have 18, which is an obtainable, reachable par five, not like 13. Now, even though they were trying at 13, a number of them went for the green. But, um, you know, there were just, 
it's just a perfect nine holes, kind of like Augusta National is, for there to be a lot of excitement, and there can be a lot of heartache. And uh, we saw everybody else in the field basically have heartache, and uh, John Rahm have ecstasy. Yep. Yeah, and Woody, I, I thought it was really interesting that you brought up John Rahm becoming a father. It was his first Father's Day as a father, and he talked about in his post-round press conference, he was asked about that, and he said that he is at a point where he wants to do things on the golf course that one day his son will be proud of. And he even said in his post-round press conference, he said, I've done things on the golf course in my career that I'm not proud of, and I, I want right. to get away from that, and I want to do things that my son can be proud of and I really think he talked so much about the power of positivity. Every time he was asked about Memorial, he talked about the power of positive thinking and how every time, you know, his wife Kelly acted like it was this, this huge thing that was going wrong, he was like, no, 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 good things are coming. I understand why it has to be this way. Good things are coming. And just his positivity, it's like you said, I just think the maturity from John Rahm, it took a while to get there. He's 26 years old now, Woody, and I feel like we're looking at a guy who's pretty much established himself as one of if not currently the best player in the world. And I, I feel like this might just be taking the lid off for John Rahm. Is this a guy that you see in his career, um, Woody winning four, five, six major championships? You know, I always said the only reason why Rahm wasn't winning before is his temperament and just and the fact that, you know, let me just explain to you, 26 is very young when you're 64. Okay, 26 is not old. It's not old, old. We just saw a guy win a major at 50. Uh, so 26 is just basically where he's hitting his prime coming into the next, well, I'd say 15 years. Uh, and, and God willing, you know how it goes. If he might get hurt or something like that crazy will happen, I hope not. If he doesn't, I think this, this young man could get into double digits. I, I truly believe that because everything about his game is good enough to win majors, no matter what golf course you put it on. So, um, you know, five or six, I don't think that'll be enough for him. I think he'll win more. That's just my, my thoughts on it. Yeah, Woody, I'll be honest with you. With the way his game suits up, I mean, he plays well at Augusta. Obviously, PGA Championship will suit his game. He just won U.S. Open, British Open. If he can learn how to play on links courses, I think that you, you may be dead on the money. He may be one of those guys that, that just runs away with majors. Um, when we had you on, on um, before on our pr uh, preview show, we asked you a lot about the uh, local guys, and uh, we had one of the local guys, Matt, Matt Wolf, played a lot of really good golf out there. What did you see in his game, and um, what, what were your thoughts on him finishing uh, – top 15 in his first event back uh, since the Masters? Well, we talked about it. I thought, man, that's a tough tournament to come out of the box after you've been taking two months off. Um, but we're, we're lucky that we're privy to seeing like Wolf around Oak Tree, same with Hoblin. Um, those guys call that home, which to me that's so special that we have these guys willing to stay around this area. What I saw in Wolf over the last two months, what, what little I saw of him when I was out at Oak Tree, I saw a guy that looked happy. I, I saw a guy that was enjoying the break, for a better way of saying it. I, I, he's like a prize fighter. He knew he couldn't, he couldn't stay home and, and hide, you know, for the whole week or another week or another week. At some point, 
that's what he does for a living. So he's going to have to get over those demons or whatever it was that in his head was making him not have fun. He was having fun at Oak Tree. It looked like he was some kind of enjoying himself, if it's possible, at a U.S. Open because there is just so much pressure on that. Every shot is so critical. But I'm happy for him, not as a golfer. I'm happy for him as a person because – at 22 years old, the last thing you want to be doing is something for a living that you're miserable at. You can you can ask anybody in the in the world if they're at a job that they're not happy. It's pretty hard to go to work every day. So I'm pulling for him. I, I think it's I think it's special that he came out and said what he was struggling with. I'm kudos to him for that. And the fact that he can maybe start working through this and enjoying golf again, I think. I think having Nick Heinen on the back helps him to get to that point. And uh, if he just if he just realizes that he's a lucky, lucky, lucky guy to be able to get to do what he's doing, and that's fun. That is supposed to be fun. If he keeps having fun, look out. There's another guy that I don't know how many times he could win or what he could win. Obviously, he can play good in majors. He's already proven it. So, um Keep that mental side where he's having a good time, so to speak, and uh, he's another one you better look out for. Woody, I think that's a great point about Nick Heinen being a steadying presence for Matt Wolf. Uh, I've seen it numerous times where, uh, you know, I feel like their personalities really mesh and Nick really helps them out there. All right, Woody, I got one uh, more question for you here. Uh, Out of these guys that have won one major, okay, I, you got John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, and Hideki Matsuyama. Out of those right. guys, who wins the most majors, in your opinion? Well, that's kind of a trick question. Um, I believe this. I think it'll be Rahm unless Morikawa can learn to putt a little bit better. I worry about Morikawa because – he is so good from tee to green. I've never seen anybody can hit their irons as good as this guy can. But when he gets over that putter, he just looks like he doesn't want to pull the trigger. He's almost frozen over at times. And it, it just, as a golfer, I've, I've, I've seen it before and I've been around it. The, re- the really, really, really good putters that I ever watched in all my years of playing, they don't take a lot of time nicholas did nicholas could stand over a ball for a long time but only because he was just jack nicholas and he could focus until he had to pull the trigger most guys boy once they get their line once they see where they want to go they go boom fire if morikawa can learn to do that he will win more majors because his ball striking is so phenomenal but that's a big if and John Rahm's already telling you what he's capable of. I think DeChambeau, will, that will run its course at some point. Uh, the reason why I don't pick DeChambeau, Sam, just between us and the, and the audience listening, he makes excuses. He, he's a complainer, and he wants to blame anybody but himself. That last nine holes, all that I heard about is he didn't get any good breaks, and he didn't get this, and he was all that. And, and the bottom line is, as a golfer, you guys are golfers. Anybody listening, hopefully, is a golfer. Well, you got to take – it's on you. You can't – it's not a bad break every day. It's not a miss this or a miss that. 
you got to suck it up and figure out how to do it. And so Rom would be that guy to me only because he's already shown that fire in his belly. He's got a heart like a bigger than Dallas. I mean, he wants it. He Mm -hmm. wants it bad. So if you put me on the clock and I had to say it, I would tell you dumb up. Yeah, Woody, we, we definitely ripped Bryson yesterday for, for his take, so I think we're all on the same page there. Um, one last thing I want to get your opinion on, and I'm going to talk with the boys about this um, after we get back from the break, but, um, you know, I was reading this article on Golf.com. It was titled, 10 Things You Couldn't Have Seen on the U.S. Open Broadcast. And I remember it was either a year or two years ago, I, I absolutely ripped Ricky Fowler because he was out practicing on on the weekend of a major when he had missed the cut, or maybe it was just a regular tournament. He was just out hitting range balls on Saturday when he missed the cut um, and, and wasn't able to play. And I scrolled down this article, and I, I read that Max Homa, um, uh, Henrik Stenson, and even Victor Hovland, who had to withdraw with his eye problem, were all out on the range. All these people who missed the cut were not playing the weekend, were out there on the range and practicing on the facility after they had missed the cut. Um, was that something that was, was around in your day? And what are your thoughts on that? Because that's something that I did not know was, was part of standard um, PGA Tour player protocol, and that's something that's just really peculiar to me. Well, I... You know, when you're in a golf tournament, you're there for the week, whether you miss a cut or not. You're, they, they welcome you for the whole week. Uh, most guys, you know, when they miss a cut, they've got a little bit of a red ass, and they're, they're ready to get on a flight or get out of there, okay? Um, weather conditions in San Diego, as we've been there, they don't get any better than that, okay? Um, the, the practice facility is not all that at Torrey Pines, but it's a kind of a, a – a, a place they can be guarded and get away. You know what I mean? Even though there's gallery everywhere, where when they can hit balls on the range. And a lot of times they just don't really have anywhere to go. I, I'm sure that a lot of times those guys that are still hitting balls are getting ready to go to the next tournament the next week. And so they really don't really want to fly home for two days and then have to fly back out to wherever they're going. They've got a room. They've got a nice place. They've got a place they can practice. Um, yeah, I get it. I, I do. I, I understand it. And, and they, they might have been just wanting to find something on that weekend before they go to the next golf tournament. But uh, kudos to those guys, whether they're at Torrey Pines practicing still or they've moved on to the weekend, gone someplace else, because I don't know of anybody that doesn't want to get better that plays the PGA Tour. And, and you really don't get better sitting on the sofa. Yeah, it's a great point. Woody, you're the man. We always appreciate it. Start doing your British Open research now because we'll be expecting another winner. <laughs> I'll see what I can come up with by then, boys. <laughs> Sounds good. Appreciate it. All right. Don't bet your mortgage, though, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's our man, Woody Jim Woodward, legend of the game here in the state of Oklahoma. Always appreciate him taking some time for us and some great stuff, as always, from our man, Woody. Sam, you asked a good question about the, the single-time major winners and who gets one next? It's a good question. Do you have a favorite? I do have a favorite. I, in my opinion, I think it's going to be Rom as well. But I mean, Morikawa, like like he said, if he can start putting a little better, I mean, he's going to be really tough to beat. And JT, he's going to get out of this little slump eventually. He, I mean, he's in a slump and he won the players. So my point is, JT's going to start playing some dominant golf again, in my opinion. And then Bryson, you know. He has a very high ceiling and a very low floor to me. 
Like it, it, it's kind of risky business uh, if you were trying to bet on this of uh, guys that have won one major. The the list, you know, is Rom, Morikawa, JT, Bryson, Reed, Matsuyama, and Louis are the big names that I wrote down here. Um, and and you know, Matsuyama is is sneaky on that list too. So I, what, who do you like, Tito? You know, and, and one I'll, I'll throw one thing out here. I was throwing one name you could throw in there. Maybe Jason Day, if he could ever get his back going together, he could maybe get his game back. But I don't think he's in this same group. But I, I'm, I I thought I heard two different phrasings of the question, so I want to know, is the question who ends up winning more majors or who wins their next major first? No, no, no. Who wins the most at the end of their who, career? Oh, who the wins the, the most? Okay, I misunderstood then. It's who yep. wins the most. Most yep. at the end. Okay, I'm, I'm probably leaning towards Rom, um, just because of, of the points that Woody said. Um, one of the things is that I would think JT would be up there as well. Um, just because he's he's very phenomenally ball striker, obviously seems like he can work the ball multitude of ways, so that that can fit um, almost any golf course that you can play if he can get his short game rolling. But hasn't won since 2017. You know, with how good he's been, it seems like a long time. Reed's very sneaky on that list, just because we always look at him for his cheating accusations. But and then also, I gotta also give credit to Morikawa, maybe the best ball striker on that list, and probably is maybe may end up being the best ball striker of this generation. So it is definitely. A very tough question, and it'll it'll be interesting. And I know one thing: the future of golf is bright. But one thing we got to remember, guys: winning a major is not easy. You bring up Colin Morikawa's ball striking. Uh, they had this stat on live from the other night. I didn't get to read it yesterday. Uh, but John Rom, this is they, they, <laughs> there's not really a name for this stat. They're basically adding uh, their rank in strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach. So, for instance, John Rom is in first because strokes gained off the tee, he is third place and strokes gained approach he is 12th place so that adds up to 15 brandall and uh justin leonard were calling it strokes gained badassery okay <laughs> basically they were saying this is how you calculate the best ball striker on tour well the other guys on that list are colin morikawa brooks kepka patrick cantlay rory mcelroy bryson DeChambeau, and dustin johnson so Basically, it proves that the top players in the world are your, are your best ball strikers. I mean, drive for show, putt for dough, maybe, you know, but we, we've seen it over and over again that the better ball strikers are your top players. You, yeah, you, they you are. Drive to, I was just going to say, you drive to show the cash. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Bryson could maybe get another one before those other guys do just because he's in it so far right now. But I don't like his longevity because I don't know how long his body can sustain what he's doing now. Also, at some point, I mean, there have been a lot of conversations about arm lock putting. We don't know how long our arm lock putting is going to be around. So to me, I kind of have to throw Bryson out because if they ban arm lock putting, we, we don't know what he looks like. He's, he's gotten himself from a, I mean, when he was side saddle, he was like 280th. But he was just with a normal putter, middle of the pack, very middle of the pack with the putter. And he's vaulted himself top 10, top 20 putters in the world. If they take away arm lock, what happens there? So I, I would probably have to go wrong. Yeah, well, and then if the question is the next guy to win a major, it's pretty much a coin flip between these guys. But yeah. then you would have to really consider Louis Eustace in the way that he's been playing and the fact that he's already won a British Open. Yeah, I probably wouldn't because he's just... He's just a second-place champion, man. Well, he just is. And, Colby, you showed me this stat a long time ago, and I need to look back and see the last couple of years to make sure it's recent, but Louis' record in opens at non-St. Andrews courses is not very good. Yeah, it's really not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he won it by six strokes and then finished second, but he really has not played particularly well. I know that one reason because I picked him one year in the one-and-done because I thought <laughs> the same thing, and, of course, he missed the cut. But uh, but, and, but but free weekend. But, yeah, if you want to think of who's going to do it most recent or who's going to have the most recent one, you have to look at the – Open championship and say which one of those guys has the best chance there. Yeah, and and 
we, I didn't get to use this stat yesterday either because Louis Oosthuizen uh, didn't win. However, I was I, I thought this was interesting. The longest time between first and second major wins. You have Julius Boros. Uh, his first one was in 1952, and his second one uh, was in 1963, both U.S. Opens. That was 11 years, 9 days. Ben Crenshaw was 84 Masters and then 95 Masters. That was 10 years, 11 months. If Louis would have won uh, at Torrey Pines, it would have been 10 years, 10 months. So basically, you know, Louis Eustazen had a long period of time where he, you know, wasn't winning still still does but he I feel like he's back on the right track of really contending in majors and I mean you know he could come up and win one easily hey, here I got in the a next question. year or so will Louie win in the U.S. yes he's never done it no I, I I think he will he'll he'll win a regular tour event yeah how old is Louie is Taysen, 38 I believe 38 38 he probably will but I don't think it's a given because he he still he plays more than he was there for a few years for a few years he was just hanging out with his goats yeah now, he plays more than he used to, but I don't think it's necessarily a given that he wins over here because he doesn't have a ton of opportunities, 10 to 15 a year maybe. It's hard to win golf tournaments, and I, I don't know. He, uh, he's he been close a bunch, but, you know, close doesn't hoist trophies. He, yeah. he is 38, will be 39 October 19th. Um, but this will, the thing, this will be the one thing I'll say in Louis' defense. He's got a swing that has the definition of longevity. To It'll it. age well. So I mean, and we just saw Phil win at fifty with his um, hellacious seeds and his beer yeah. gut that he used to have. So I mean, I think Louis will be out there for a long time. So if I had to bet on that, I would definitely bet that he wins in the U.S. at some point. Yeah, and, and then I just wanted to bring up one more point of something we talked about with Woody. Uh, I wish I would have been on the podcast with y'all when y'all talked about the uh, you know guys going to practice on the weekend after yeah. they missed the cut because I. I you know, when you brought it up, I was like, I, I thought it was normal that guys did that, you know, because most guys schedule their flights for Sunday night or Monday, you know, and so I, I just thought that was kind of normal unless you're one of the bigger guys that can, you know, get on a private jet or something like that. Mo- most guys try to find somewhere in the area to practice. We saw Joel Damon, uh, he, when he misses the cut, he gets on Twitter and says, where's the money game around Jacksonville or wherever he missed the cut, you know. So, I, 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 you know, I, w- I was just kind of saying, like, I, I – I didn't realize that that was weird. <laughs> you yeah, know? So. I, know, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying, and, and it all makes sense. And I thought it was because and I wasn't the only one who made a big deal about it when Ricky – I think it was at the PGA Championship. I may be wrong when when exactly that happened, but he got some slack for that because going out there, me and Kobe were talking about he's taking up a range spot for people that are playing in who actually have a tee time. And well, but most of the time people do that while the – play is going on I, I understand yeah. and, and and that's what happened in this situation for the for the most part um in the article I was reading for example and this is a point I hadn't thought about Hendrick Stinson who missed the cut after um one of his other students was in the lead I forget exactly who it was went out and played um Pete Cowan went and worked with um with Hendrick at right after that so you know the swing coach is already in town so yeah. you can stay there to work with that's, your coach. that's something too. I hadn't thought about yeah. yeah and you know these people like you mentioned they've they either have their flight scheduled late or they at least have the place that they're staying at reserved for two more days I just I, I didn't think that I guess if you do it after the fact and you're just out there practicing I understand but I, where me and Colby were talking about where it's the worst is like like TBC Harding Park is where I think it happened now that 
Yes, it was Harding Park. Yeah, Harding Park. Yeah, that range is not very big. So, I mean, you're not going to be able, if you have a full allotment of tee times, right. you can't just go take a spot up. But I understand, yeah, if the range is open to go out there, especially if you're in town. But something like you mentioned with Joel Damon, you know, he's looking for money games around the area. He's not playing a money game in the group after the, the final group of the major. You know what that I'm saying? That would be at electric. The, Televise the, it. Yeah, no doubt. That would be electric. Get, get a pro who missed the cut playing a money game right behind the leaders. Yeah, and he's <laughs> probably going to be losing shots to these sandbaggers, you know, that say they're 50. 15 handicaps and Joel Damon has to go shoot 64 to make any money. Colby, I got to ask you on yesterday. I, I got to remind you, you know, Prairie Dunes. Yes, sir. I want to hear all about it. Prairie Dunes was unbelievable. Well, it was 105 degrees. It was hot is what it was. <laughs> but Prairie Dunes itself was unbelievable. Was it, was it windy? In perfect shape. Uh, yeah, we was blowing 20, probably. Yeah. Probably 20 mile an hour south wind. A light breeze for Prairie Dunes. A light breeze. I mean, it's middle of nowhere, Kansas. <laughs> so, honestly, 20 mile per hour wind. Anything less than that, I would have been really surprised. Yeah. Um, but it's just, man, it's a brute. The first hole was driver two iron for me because it's right back into the wind. Dog legs left. Driver two iron. First of all, um, tell the people, you shot 82. That's not bad. I, I did. It wasn't a bad round at all. How about this? Um, so the 80, I had five doubles. It's easy to make big numbers out there. So the other holes were pretty good, but I played the same golf ball until number 18, and I, I missed it left on 18, and oh, I wound no. up in the native grass. <laughs> yep. What? What? Uh, how long did you play the course? You played the tips? Uh, we played it. It's weird. They've got like this blue-gold hybrid. The golds are the tips, and they've got like a blue-gold hybrid system. So we were playing the blues, which is one up from the tips, but I would say on at least nine of the holes, there wasn't a blue and a gold tee. There was just a back tee. Yeah. That was the blue and gold tee. So I actually don't know exactly what the yardage well, is. Well, Prairie's not insanely long, so I bet it's it was not. pretty playable for you. What, what do you drive? Like 280, probably? Uh, yeah, probably somewhere in that neighborhood. Like, Let's and, see. Uh, but like what the, I'm the saying golds, is... So the golds are showing 7,068, and then the blues are showing 66.56. So I'd say we probably played it somewhere in between. 6,800 yards maybe for a par 70. But as, you know, like a, a above average, you know, amateur golfer, Colby, you know, how would you say... I'm a four I, handicap. If anybody's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my index. Yeah. I'm a four. So basically, it's not the length that Prairie Dunes that makes it hard. It's around the greens, correct? Oh Especially for an amateur, right? Dude, okay. So I told you the first hole was driver two iron. I It was great. I had like 40 feet for birdie. But there was this massive, massive rolling Kansas hill in between me and the hole. I had to go <laughs> up it, over it, down it. I had like six feet of break left or right. And this is something we just, we don't see. Welcome I mean, to I, Prairie Dunes. I mean, I came back <laughs> and I played Hefner North and Hefner South. It's just, it's it's very different. The greens were probably rolling 10 or 11. Couldn't get them much faster than that because A, it's 105 degrees. B, the wind is blowing with all the slope. The balls will roll off the greens. Um, I mean, I lagged my 40 footer on the first hole. I probably lagged it down to about 12 feet. Yeah. And, and, and then I think I lipped it out from there and made bogey, but it was, it was tough. Had a couple of birdies, birdied three and four. So nice. Those, those nice. were fun birdies. Uh, two in a row. The, yeah. Two in a row. It's like, were you under par? Uh, no, I started, I didn't make a par till six. <laughs> I started adventurous. I went bogey, double birdie, birdie, double. And I made pars <laughs> on six through nine to go. get into the clubhouse. Nice. But probably the most fun moment of the day. Number eight, it's always on golf digest, top hundred holes. One of Arnold Palmer's favorite holes of all time. Uh, I'm in the native grass. I hack an eight iron up green side. I'm in the rough. I, I mean, this chip is, and you can't understand the green complexes until you've been there. Uh, this was a chip that I had to fly five feet. If I flew it four feet, it was going to stay in the rough. Also, where, there's no fringes at Prairie Dunes. Where goes, were you? I, I was left of eight green. Pin okay, was in the front. Left of eight pin green. was gotcha. just on the front. I'm pin high left. The, there's no fringes at Prairie Dunes. It goes straight from a speed 11 green, and then it immediately goes to rough. 
Yep. So you can't land it in the fringe to kill your chips. So I had a chip. I had to fly it five feet. If I flew it four feet, it was staying in the rough. If I flew it seven feet, it was going to roll past the pin, down the false front, and I was going to have to 50 yards coming back Like in. number 13 at Torrey. Yes, yeah. yes. And so I hit this chip. It was for birdie. I hit it, comes off the club face, and it goes about eight inches. Oh, that's so beautiful. Nice. now I've got the same chip again. So now I'm chipping. For oh, play. I thought you meant eight inches from the hole. No, no, no. It stayed in the rough. It literally oh. went eight inches <laughs> off the club face. So now I've got the same Not beautiful. chip. <laughs> so, so, now, so now I've got to fly this one about four feet, and I chipped in for par. Nice. Very excellent. nice. Very so nice. I duffed one, chipped in for Tiger par. Tiger at the memorial. Yeah, but all in all, it was just <laughs> it was an unbelievable round of golf. I, I can't wait to get back to Prairie Dunes. I got two questions for you. One, on 18, when you hooked it left, was it with driver or was it with an iron? Uh, it was with driver, but all day long, I had been hitting my driver so much better than I'd been hitting my two iron, which is so unusual for me, but I had more confidence with my driver than I do. I probably hit my driver 10 times and didn't lose a ball till 18. So I was hitting my driver pretty good, but yeah, it, uh, it went a little left there. Had to take a double on 18. Give a shout out to your boys that got you on it. Yeah, there. Mike Sturzenbecker is, is my buddy up there. He's a member. He actually lives in Stillwaters. He's got the out-of-town membership. He said he goes up probably twice a month, and he usually stays for two or three days. It's kind of like Carson. They've got lodges there. You can stay in the lar- the uh, lodges. They've got like an outdoor lighted area. Uh, he said sometime I've got to come up and stay overnight because you go out there and everybody just drinks and chips balls and has chipping contests and stuff cool. at night at the lodges. So first class place. It was very laid back. It was not a snobby atmosphere at all. Everybody mm-hmm. was really nice and welcoming, and it was just – it's an awesome That's place. That's how it was so. when we were there, you know, just to cover the Big 12, yeah. too. So at some point – yeah, I was talking to my buddy. At some point, we're going to have to get a, a 73rd hole trip I'm all up in. there and do some some live tweeting and maybe do a pod from up there, talk about favorite holes and stuff. I'm in. It's either number eight is a great hole and 15 is a great hole. 15 is the par three that goes through the shoot of trees mm-hmm. um, that I posted a picture of on Twitter. And it's, you know, it's not a par three that goes through the shoot of trees that you're hitting a nine iron into. The pin was barely tucked on the front of the green, barely on the front of the green. And I think it was 196. Yep. And you're going uphill probably 20 feet through this shoot of trees. It's a difficult golf hole. So um, great golf course, a lot of fun, and can't wait to get back up there. Maybe on a day when it's like 78 degrees instead of 105. Yep. So anyway, um, but whenever I was getting back, make so many swings at Perry Dunes, your back starts hurting a little bit. Got to go see Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley at the <laughs> Spine Clinic of Oklahoma, thespineclinicok.com. Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley, both avid golfers, probably been up to Prairie Dunes at some point. High quality, individualized patient care, total complete spine care. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all of North America. Visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Uh, fellas, we've talked a lot about Louis Oosthuizen on this show, and as we transition into some Olympics, notable exception from the Olympics is Louis Oosthuizen. He will not be teeing it up for South Africa in the Olympics. And you know what that means? That means that there's a silver medal up for grabs. Without Louis in the field, silver is there for the taking. Uh, so South Africa is going to be... I Tony Finau is probably not there either. Oh, man. Tony Finau <laughs> is not there. Uh, it's going to be Garrick Higo and your boy C. Bezel, Christian Bezadenhut from South Africa. But the Americans, it's going to be JT, Morikawa, Xander, and Bryson. 
for the Americans. Some other notables here. Uh, we won't list off all 100 players that you haven't heard of. Uh, Spain is Rom and Rafa Cabrera Bale. Ireland is Rory and Shane Lowry. Uh, England, Tyrrell Hatton was listed originally. He withdrew. Uh, he's out. He's replaced by Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, Sergio also had qualified for Spain. He decided not to play, which is how Rafa Cabrera Bayo got in. How about uh, Norway? Victor Hovland and then Johansson. I don't have his first name in front of me. Jo- okay. Johansson. That's got to be know. the big, That's got to be the biggest drop off in the field from one to two for a country, it's not, right? It surprises me. It's not Ventura. That's what I was about to say. I I thought the same thing. Why is it not Ventura? I don't know. Number Japan has a pretty big drop off too. Hideki and then Hoshino. Yeah. Don't have his first name in front of me. Hoshino will be there. Mexico's Abraham Answer and Carlos Ortiz. Pretty predictable there. Korea. Hoshino actually finished 26th in the uh, in the U.S. Open this Did week. Did he? Shame on me for not knowing who that is. R- uh, Raku- Sung J.M. and Siwoo? Rakuya. Rakuya. Rakuya yeah. Hoshino. Hoshino. They, they tied. Uh, they tied. And then Australia is Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. No yep. Adam Scott. So, Did you say uh, France? I did Antoine not say Rosner? France. I was going to let you say France. Oh, Antoine Rosner. Your I got to give a shout out. From UMKC, he will be playing in the Olympics. An Olympic athlete. How about your boy? Your boy's an Olympian. Olympic athlete. That is awesome. That's so cool. Isn't he playing with uh, Victor Perez? Is that his teammate? Victor Perez. If, if, it would have to be. 37th in the world. It would have I'm to be. I'm not sure, but yeah. Uh, I, I just saw on Twitter yesterday that Antoine said that he was chosen to play in the Olympics, and he's going over there. And so... UMKC has an Olympian. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I think guys still have a little bit of time to make their decisions. Uh, I would imagine all four American guys will go. Xander, whenever he was asked about it and talked about it, he said that he, he's just going to sleep on it and make sure. I, I would expect him to go. But he did say one thing that's going to be um, unfortunate for the athletes this year is they're not going to have the Olympic experience. The yeah. Olympic experience is not going to exist. It's fortunate that we're getting the games in at all. We, it was very up in the air even as recently as six months ago. Um, but Xander's like, you know, if you do play, you're pretty much going to be locked down in a hotel. You're going to go to the golf course. You're going to play your it's round. Not the you're going to go Village. back to the hotel. Yeah. There, you, you don't get to see Tokyo. There's not going to be any sightseeing. There's not the Olympic Village. That stuff isn't going to happen. So it's going to be very different. But I'm glad that the, uh, the Olympic golf tournament is happening. And, I mean... I think four Americans have a good chance to win a gold medal. And it's a little bit different for golfers as well because they got to get back and play and practice because they still have tournaments like the Ryder Cup yeah. and the and playoffs, uh, you know, all all that stuff so they can't hang around and watch, you know, other sports like a lot of these cuz a lot of these Olympians they they're done, <laughs> you know, after yeah. after they finish. By the way, before we take our break, uh Tiger News boys. Uh, so this was by via backgrid.com. Uh, it said Tiger is doing better according to a new interview with Ricky Fowler uh, that a limited schedule return will be likely following his recovery. Yeah, I saw that this morning. Ricky and Tiger have become uh, major buddies. Since yeah. neither one of them are playing in majors, they've been hanging out and watching majors. Seriously. Ricky watched the uh, Masters with him. I think he went over there for a day during the U.S. Open as well. So I think that's kind of what that's I think most cool. people expected, limited schedule upon return. Yeah, I mean that—that's exactly what it is. Just depends on when that is. When I just when, like the word "return" and "tiger" in the same sentence. The fact that it's a possibility is—is is really the main thing. The I'll fa- go uh, Bay Hill. That's my prediction. Tiger comes back at Bay Hill. I don't know. I—I I think he's going to have to learn how to walk for about a year from now, and then he's got to practice for another, you know, eight months. 2022 PGA Championship Southern Hills. Ooh, First tournament. Ooh. Can you imagine how expensive those tickets would be? Could those you imagine? Tigers on the on the resale market? I don't know. Dude, that's a tough course to walk. 
for Tiger to oh, make there's his no doubt about that. Beast. Get him a cart. But he will have already John Daly's Augusta got the, the cart for him. <laughs> Get John Daly's we, we know, cart. We know it can work. We know a guy can ride a cart around Southern. Um, all right. I uh, don't think we missed anything else. Travelers preview on the other side. Coming up, stay with us here. We got all the picks, DraftKings, the full breakdown of the Travelers, TPC River Highlands, and Cromwell, Connecticut. That's coming up. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole as we get you ready for the Travelers Championship coming up here in just a couple of days. But we got into quite the debate during the break here, and we're trying to figure out. We need help from the listeners. We need help from the listeners because we're trying to figure out gummy bears or gummy worms. <laughs> I don't know where we, I don't know where you draw the line. I'm having a tough time deciding. My, I ended my last point before we started this. Is the, the brand is one of the most important things. It's very underrated. You think you can just get a pack of gummy worms, gummy bears? No, 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 no. Very drastically different depending on the brand. Um, what what brand is your favorite? So choose. But I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, but yeah, I think you really can't go wrong with either. Sam, you're kind of along the lines of the Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, the the watermelon Sour Patch Kids. I mean, I, I, does I, that count as bears? I, no, I feel like that leans more towards worms. Does it? Like because it has the outside texture that's that's sour and then yeah. sweet. Yeah. What? What are you, here? Here's a better question: Are you gummy worms or like the sour gummy worms, where, where they're like multicolored? Oh yeah. Okay. Because that is a big difference. That is yeah. a big difference. I like them all, man. I'm not that bad. And the thing is, I don't eat them very often. It's not like I've got gummy worms and gummy bears sitting next to me. But if you're ever at the store and they're just right up front, you just grab you a little bag, snack on them on the way home. I don't know. We need input from the listeners. At the 73rd hole on Twitter, 73rd hole on Instagram. Let us know. Gummy bears or gummy worms. Underrated uh, gummy snack is the peachos. The peach The peachos are dank. Those are so so good. good. What else? What are we missing? Uh, the cherries. The ha- har- Haribo or whatever yeah, it is. Haribo. Those che- Haribo. Those cherries. I think it's Haribo. I, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> you made it sound good, so we'll go with that. Those cherries? Oh, those are good. Because Haribo's the one that makes the good brand of gummy bears, too. Yes, 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 they do. And gummy worms. Yeah. And, and they have those little uh, little strawberries. The little strawberries are good, too, if you like strawberries. A lot of it depends on what fruit you like, as well. Because so I like peaches. Candy. I like watermelon. I like cherries. I mean, I like it all. Favorite fruit. Go. Top of your head. Watermelon, for Watermelon. sure. Watermelon. Sam, favorite fruit? Strawberry. Very- Strawberry? I think I'm going... Uh, man, there's a lot of good fruit. Here, you say what you were going to say. I, 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 I like just it. the fruit itself or the, the, the like taste of it? 
Like the like, well, and at the whole wait, what? what the test right, like, are you talking about candy or are no, you no, talking no. about? I'm talking about like now. I've switched on to actual fruit. Well, oh, okay. because you make a good point, Sam. Because like I, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavored stuff. Yeah, so, so that, that's a good. So that's a, a interesting point. But we're talking about the actual. Like fruit. I like strawberries, like flavored stuff, but I don't necessarily eat strawberries because the seeds. See, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. the opposite. You eat strawberries? I love strawberries. Really? I was going to say before you go. Very underrated fruit. Uh, fruit. The plum. <laughs> That's why the I got the, the plum. Plums plum, are good. Plum, no. Plums no are so way. good, dude. Oh my lord! That's you had the worst you, take ever. Y'all ain't never had a good plum. Then that's I feel bad for y'all. All that's right, like then, missing out on childhood. All right, then you better have at least one golfer in your lineup this week who plum bobs to read putts. Oh, absolutely. Plum I, I, bob. I, that's a good take, but I'll probably have about as many cuts this week as you did last week on your DraftKings. Man, it was rough. It was. I feel good this week. I feel good. Sam, you're you're putting the finishing no. touches on. Are we ready to dive in? About to. We ready to dive in? How about this? We'll start, and we'll circle around to you. All right, sounds good. You can start with your cheapest option. Taylor, you want to go first? Yeah, considering I finished, I, I was in the, the money last week. And, and by the way, whenever I said that I may have as many made cut as you, I was completely being sarcastic because I'm feeling really good about this lineup this week, guys. And I'm starting can, off can I, cheap. Can I just say something before we start? Of course. With this tournament, there's definitely a horses for courses thing here. I'm anticipating a lot of overlap. I'm just going to say that. I bet we'll have... Two or three, at least, of the same. We'll, we'll, we probably will, in all honesty. And my first pick, guys, I'm going to load of field. It, oh, oh, let's yeah. do, let's do that before we start. Oh, strength the field, strength the field. I got it. I already got it pulled up right here. I was going to do it, and I forgot because I'm we, so excited about my DraftKings lineup. I mean, especially the week after a major, really strong field. DJ Bryson, Cantlay, Kepka, Reed, Finau, Scheffler, uh, Phil's in the field. Wolf's in the field. Neiman. I'm going to go um, four thirty-seven. Sam, strength the field. I'm going 437. Uh, I'll go up into the 550 range. You know what's funny? Before before you mentioned that, you mentioned Phil in that list. Ain't it funny how like three months ago we don't even include Phil as even a big name in the fact that he wins the major. Now he gets slotted into that list <laughs> just off of one tournament. Well, three it's, months ago he wasn't. Uh, that's exactly a good point. And I don't. You were 550. Colby was four, 437. We got 464, so not 464, too far. 464, okay. And here we go. Uh, we won't dive too much in, into this tournament, but across the pond, a strength of field of, of 97. We got uh, Louis playing, uh, Victor Hovland's playing, Sergio's playing, um, your boy uh, Tony Rosner's playing, Sam. And uh, so that strength of field of 97, that's the BMW International Open. Got a lot of players inside the top 200 in the world in that event. So that'll be a underrated event and maybe a good tournament to watch, if, um, especially if Hovland gets in contention. Watch it early morning um, before the PGA Tour event starts. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, all right, now we've got that. Oh, yes. Get us started. Cheapest option. Cheapest option. Local boy, been playing really good on the Corn Ferry Tour, got in with PJ Tour U status. I'm rolling with him. Give me 6,600 Austin Eckroat. I, I think he Ooh. is a very good, very good possibility at playing the weekend. If not, a sneaky top 25 finish. Here's my, here's my question. At some point with these guys who went straight from college golf into the pros with, with PGA Tour U, at some point do we see fatigue set in? Because this is a lot of golf and a lot of travel that these guys are putting in. This is one thing I'll say, and I, I don't know if this is was the same for you, for you, Sam, but I know a lot of people are like this. I especially was. I hate having someone tell me what my schedule is. I, I just I despise it. And now that you get out on tour, you have a lot more freedom in when you practice, where you practice, how you travel, that kind of stuff. So it might actually be more freedom than, than he's used to. Um, so there, there's really two ways to look at it. But your point is made, Colby, that you know you got to think that if you don't take a break at some point, or especially if you don't manage from Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening till when you tee off on Thursday, then you definitely can't have some fatigue set in. Yeah. When you talk about that, uh, the quote from Mike McGraw that good golf always travels 
comes to mind. You know, so if you're playing good golf, it doesn't necessarily matter where you're playing. So yeah, yeah no I, doubt about it. I don't and, know. And he's playing good golf. I mean, T7 and T13 in his first two Corn Ferry starts uh, after a successful week at the National Championships. First round kind of got him at the National Championship. I think he was like six over through 10. Still finished top 15, uh, so it was still a good finish. My cheapest option this week, I'm going with Tom... Hoagie. Get you a little Tom Hoagie action. I like him this week uh, at TPC River Highlands. Yeah, go ahead. Here we go. They're both 6,600. You want to make Kane's bet on it? I got uh, Ekro. You got Hoagie. No, I'm not that confident. God, you're so, breaking rule number one, I'm Colby. I'm not going to bet against Ekro. He, no, no, no. he is friend of the show, Austin Ekro. I'm not, not going to bet against friend of the show against Tom Hoagie. Last time you did it was Taylor Gooch and it backfired on you big time. I think I'm still old for that, by the way. Uh, are you? I think so. Yeah, because we haven't been to Canes any well, recently. No, no, we See, haven't. So, so that's another reason. I can't make another one until I pay that one off. Breaking I, don't, rule. I, don't, I don't want to start stacking up. Breaking rule number one, Colby. Shout out, Coach Randall. Don't Go want ahead, to start Sam. stacking up on me. Sam, you got your cheapest option ready? I know you still uh, cheapest, cheapest bidding right now. Che- cheapest two options. Here we go. Oh, yeah, you got to give us two. Hold on. It's loading. DraftKings takes forever to load. Here we go. Give us your six. Who else you got at 6,600? So, (laughs) I'm not taking Eckert this week as much as I love him, and I think he probably will make the cut. I think there's some better options because there's a lot of value up at the top, so I'm more middle this week. Uh, My cheapest option is uh, Mackenzie Hughes at 7,100. Mackenzie Hughes, let me pull this up here, boys. I, I was running a little bit uh, behind because uh, uh, did not was not able to do the uh, DraftKings this morning. Well, so you got the Mac Attack, though. I think that's what his friends call him, Mac Attack. But TPC, uh, River Highlands, Mackenzie Hughes in what year was this? Uh, 20, well, it was la- last year. He shot a 60 in round one uh, at TPC River Highlands. And then in 2019, uh, he shot a 64 in round one. Uh, and in 2018, he shot a 67 in round one. So he gets off to hot starts at TPC River Highlands, is on great form. Uh, so I think Mackenzie Hughes uh, is a great pick at 7,100 this week. Let's just hope he doesn't stick any golf balls in the trees. <laughs> no doubt. No. Yeah, one more pick, Oh, uh, one more pick. And so then I am jumping up to uh, 7,300. I'm going with a guy who got a little rest last week. Ricky Fowler at 7,300. Played well in the PGA. Uh, you know, I really like his, his value at 7,300. I, I think he'll make the cut this week and might even contend if he plays like he did at uh, at the PGA. I had Ricky in my lineup initially. I had to take him out to make some things work, and that's how I wound up with my next pick at 7,000, a guy who's going to become a father here in just a few weeks. By the way, congratulations to Ricky and Allison. Announced yesterday on Instagram that they're expecting uh, a baby girl in November. And this guy, another former Oklahoma State Cowboy, expecting a baby in the coming weeks. How about Taylor Gooch? I really like him on this particular golf course. Short golf course. Par 70, goes 6,841 yards. Poa Greens, I think that that's going to bode itself really well to Taylor Gooch's mid-to-long iron game on some of these holes where you have to play positional golf. Uh, and, and after a few weeks off, I think he needed that rest. He played so many weeks in a row. I think he played seven weeks in a row when we last had him on. And I think that it would just be a great story for him to go out, have a great week, Maybe hoist a trophy, maybe not, and then have the baby come and everything. So I'm running out Gooch this week at 7,000. Well, I I thought about Gooch, and then I looked at it. He's never had one round on this course where he gained shots on the field. I'm okay with that. So he's missed two cuts here, played here twice, and never – you know, gain shots on the field. So I, I, I'm not taking Gooch this week. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's in a better place in his career as he's grown. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully it'll be a good week for him. And also, I think that 
with the baby coming, I think that that can almost help to free you up because your mind is somewhere else. It's not totally on the grind, and it frees you up to be a little more relaxed. And going to going to your point of his good current form, uh, eight of his last nine rounds have been positive strokes gained. I like it. Yeah, and we're, we're just waiting for the breakthrough win, and it, it's coming at any time, so hopefully it's sooner rather than later. My next pick is someone who you've been on a couple times so far, Colby. I'm just now jumping on the bandwagon, 7,200. Give me Brendan Steele. I like it. Um, I mean, this is a guy who, besides, he shot, he only shot, I believe, 73-74 at the U.S. Open, so really not even that bad of scores, but wasn't able to make it to the weekend. But you look before that, hadn't missed a cut in Lord knows how long. Um, back in, in all of 2021, has not missed a cut before then. But you look at this, guys. Since 2011, has played this event every year has only missed the cut twice and of every other time he has made the cut it's been inside the top 25 and so you so you look at that and you say in 36 rounds here he's gained 1.47 strokes that's a lot of rounds with a lot of good um repetition a lot of good scores and 7200 i can't pass it up and then so i'm going to scroll up here let me find what my next most expensive guy is oh absolutely this is a guy who i was on a couple weeks ago whenever he decided to miss his first cut and lord knows how long uh, that's a, oh great my computer's going to crash now so I can't get as much insight <laughs> as I want um, but that's Keegan Bradley at 7900 I know that he's played this course well last year was the only time that he's missed the cut here and how many ever events like I said my computer crashed so I can't look look it up exactly but before the Memorial had been playing extremely well finished 17th PGA Championship finished runner up at the Valspar so for 7900 I really like Keegan Va- Keegan, Keegan Bradley's value this week and we are into the overlap we are officially into the overlap a portion of the show I've got Keegan Bradley at 7,900. Local guys from the area. Uh, assuming he's going to have family and friends and everything out there. Also, he's going to be well-rested. Missed the cut at the Memorial. Didn't play the U.S. Open. Uh, so he should be locked and loaded, ready to go this week at TPC River Highlands. Okay, well then I'm going to go with Jason Day at 7,500. Uh, coming off a week of rest, which is probably good for his back. Uh, in 2019, he shot a 63 in round one and gained over uh, six and a half shots on the field. And his last six rounds uh, he's been positive strokes gained. We haven't seen him since the PGA Championship. Uh, so hopefully Jason Day will come out uh, and show a little bit better form uh, and and show that he's healthy. And then I'm going with Brian Harmon. And Data Golf loves Brian Harmon this week. He's in their top five uh, of guys uh, that they like this week. And, you know, it, it, since 2017, uh, Brian Harmon has, let's see here, seven rounds, eight rounds, uh, more than five shots up on the field strokes gained here at the Travelers. And uh, if I look at Brian Harmon's recent form, uh, since the the last time that he was po- negative strokes gained was in round one of the PGA Championship, uh, and he's played about 10 rounds since then. So, uh, you know, Brian Harmon's been playing, you know, some of the most consistent golf on the PGA Tour since the beginning of 2021. So I think that Brian Harmon might be your best value pick and maybe my best bet uh, this week as well at 8,800. I like it. Was that two? Who was, that what was your two. first one? Jason Day. Jason Day. Yeah, that's right. Jason Day and then Brian Harmon. Uh, my next one, I'm going with a guy very much horse for a course. Uh, Bubba Watson has really opened up pretty, pretty recently here about some of the stuff that he's dealt with throughout his career, some of the anxiety things that he's dealt with. And it, it really makes it make that much more sense that when he goes to places, he is comfortable. He plays well. He is comfortable in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he's won this event three times, 2010, 2015, and 2018. Another runner-up in that in that 
time frame, a fourth, a sixth back in 08. Uh, last two trips, 54th and missed cut. Doesn't concern me at all. Th- there's always going to be some missed cut equity whenever you're dealing with Bubba Watson, but the fact that he loves it here so much, played pretty well last week, uh, early days at the U.S. Open, but didn't have the mental grind of being right there in contention on the weekend. So I like Bubba a lot this week at River Highlands. Yeah, Bubba, uh, someone I do not have in my lineup, but definitely thought about having him. And 50 rounds here, guys, has gained 1.66 strokes. So, I mean, this is a guy who definitely loves this play. So, so I'm going next, another overlap, just not with Colby. Going off your Brian Harmon, Sam. I mean, just been yep. playing spe- spectacular golf. Besides his uh, miscut, the PGA Championship has not finished worse than uh, 19th since the Genesis back at uh, Riviera, which was back in February. So, I mean, this playing stellar golf and on this golf course, guys, and has played this tournament every year since um, 2012 and has met, has only missed the cut twice. And so has, was that, three finishes inside the top ten as well? So, I mean, probably playing some of the best golf of his career. And let's not forget, guys, he's gaining at least top ten on the PGA Tour and strokes gained caddy. So, I mean, he's definitely got that going for him with Scott Strokes Rudd. gained caddy needs to be a statistic. It does, it does. <laughs> I, 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 we, need, we need the Harvard people and the Columbia mathematicians to come up with a strokes gained caddy formula. Strokes for us. gained, you're welcome. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. And so here we go. This is this was where I had a little bit of shakeup because I initially had Kevin Stroman in my lineup who plays this course really well and has been playing really, really good golf. But I had $200 left, and a lot of times this ends up biting me in the rear, but I'm going to go ahead and roll with it because I just had it just seems like too good a value. 9,600, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, in three of, out of the last four events has finished inside the top eight. I mean, that's just good golf. And so his only time here was last year, which was a missed cut. But let's not forget, guys, this field last year was pretty loaded because it was after right. it was post-COVID. So, but, but couldn't one make the argument that maybe Scotty doesn't know his way around this course? That, 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 that's uh, that's too lame of a pun for me to even reply to. So, but uh, I, that's just because you don't like his uh, his foot dancing swing, Colby. He is quite the dance. I'd love to see him do the salsa. I mean, at some point he's got to be on Dancing with the Stars. I would think. What better candidate is there than Scotty Scheffler? You got the the fancy footwork. Uh, I'm not rostering Scotty Scheffler this week. I'm bumping up to 9400, and I'm just staying with the horses for courses. And this is where I figured a lot of the overlap would be. Kevin Streelman. Kevin Strillman plays this course remarkably well. He's talked lately about how he's really at peace with his golf game and he feels good. And it's showing up in the results. His last five events, starting at the Wells Fargo, moving forward, 26th, 8th at the PGA, 20th at the Charles Schwab, 13th at Memorial, 15th at the U.S. Open. And now he's coming back to a place where he feels this comfortable. Uh, I, I really like his chances. I, I will say this will be his... No, no, no. He had a week off in between the U.S. Open uh, and the Memorial. So I was going to say this would be his sixth week in a row, but it will not be. He's got a week off there. So... Uh, uh, I like Kevin Strillman this week at 9,400. I actually had 200 extra to spend. I could have gone up to Scheffler, but I'm going to roll with Strillman. Well, I am going with Bubba as well at 8,900. You say there's some miscut uh, miss equity, uh, but, you know, he's made 11 uh, of 15 cuts and two top 10s and obviously horse for course and uh, recently has been playing some really good golf from uh, the beginning of the or from the players championship uh to uh round two of the pga championship he only had three rounds where he lost shots on the field out of all those rounds about 20 rounds right there uh and so bubba has been playing some really good golf of late and if he gets the putter hot can definitely contend and then uh i'm going all the way up to 10,400 i'm going patrick cantlay uh patrick cantlay has been playing some really really solid golf you know Patrick, since uh, 
let's see, since round one of the PGA Championship, he's only had one round where he lost strokes on the field. Uh, and in 2019, he shot a 65 in round three and gained over five and a half shots on the field here at the Travelers. Uh, in 2020, didn't lose any shots on the field. In 2018, didn't lose any shots on the field here at TPC River Highlands. So I think that uh, Patrick Cantlay is your best value pick up at the top of those guys at the uh, in, in DraftKings. I'm not necessarily picking Patrick Cantlay uh, this week, but for DraftKings, the 10400 I like that value. Yeah, absolutely. Is that all six of yours? Yep. Okay, sweet. I like it. Uh, I've also got Patrick as my most expensive. It's not Patrick Cantlay. I'm going to have to take a shower as soon as we get done with the podcast because I feel disgusting. I'm rostering Patrick Reed this week. <laughs> I just, uh, seriously, I'm going to have to go take a shower. I, I feel like I need to wash my hands from touching the screen to click his name. Patrick Cantlay, in his last six starts, he's got two missed cuts, but the other four are all top 20s, including a fifth at Memorial, a sixth at Wells Fargo. He's been pretty good uh, at TPC River Highlands in his career. He's got a top five, uh, an 11th place finish, 30th and 24th the last couple weeks. I just feel like he's playing good golf, and Patrick Reed's that kind of guy that just kind of hovers, 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 and then pops and wins one week. And I feel like this could very much be that week. Uh, rostering him at 10,000 gave me some of the flexibility to use like Streelman and Bubba, as well as Keegan Bradley, some guys who played this course well that I wanted to do. So I'm going to take a flyer on Patrick Reed and uh, hope that he gets some good lies in the rough this week. Colby, you talk about you picked all horses for courses and you left out the ultimate horse for course. I know. You I left know. him out. What are you doing? That, that, that's 9,900 Paul Casey. He's yep. not even in the 10,000s. I could not believe what DraftKings is doing. And, you know, um, before I hit on Paul Casey, this was my differentiator between Scheffler and Strillman. Um, Scheffler, over the last six months, is 11th on tour in overall strokes gained. And Strillman's down at uh, Strillman's at 1.11, I believe. Or, I'm sorry, 1.16. And uh, uh, Scheffler is at, where did he go? Pardon me. Uh, 1.66. So he's gaining 0.5 strokes more per round. So I think he's just on a little bit better form. But Paul Casey, he is third, not just on this golf course, but on all the golfers in the world right now, the only two players he is behind is John Rahm and Jordan Spieth and strokes gained overall. And this is a course that he just absolutely loves. In 24 rounds here, he's gained 2.29 strokes overall. I mean, or per round. I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, and here's just the results. 32nd, 5th, 2nd, 5th, 17th, 2nd. I am loading up on Paul Casey this week. So, so this begs the question, better Paul, Casey or George? NBA playoffs going on, TPC River Highlands this week. Paul Casey, Paul George, who you what got? about Chris Paul? What about Chris Paul? Well, Chris Paul's not playing. Chris Paul and <laughs> he Paul. Might. He might. He might. I'd like to see Chris Paul in the finals. Chris Paul and Paul George both got the Thunder. A lot of draft picks, so I love them a for that. A lot of draft picks. By the NBA way, draft lottery, lottery tonight, baby. Tonight. Let's go. Let's talk about it a little bit. Let's talk about it. All right, the Thunder are just going to get number seven, right? <laughs> like, I'm just preparing myself for disappointment. At, at least they got, what, well, they have 7, 15, and then they'll have 18. Uh, 16, I think. I've gotten, yeah, yeah I've gotten confused with all the picks. So explain to me what, what the Thunder could they're, they're gonna have. They're, they'll have three picks tonight, or they'll have three picks when the draft takes part, correct? Not necessarily. Not if they don't get Houston's pick. Because if Houston's pick falls one through four, Houston gets it. But, if Houston's pick falls at five, Oklahoma City gets it. But don't they, they still have their pick? They have Boston's pick and they have Miami's pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so if they get Houston's pick, they'd have four in the top 18. Yeah. But, I mean, really, obviously, everybody wants Cade Cunningham at number one. You kind of – there's you get Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, and then kind of Jalen Suggs. And after that, there's a steep drop-off. But I don't know, man. It's 
As Thunder fans, we've been spoiled. We haven't had Colby. to stress about the lottery every year. We finally have to stress about the lottery. I don't I don't totally love it. You're the OSU guy. Do you think the Thunder should draft Cade even though they have Kimba and Shea? Uh, whoever is at number one should draft Cade. Cade will be a beyond superstar in the NBA. Cade will be a much better in the NBA than he was in college because in college he had no space. No space in college. Space is what Cade needs because he's more of a creator. Cade's ne- he's never going to win a scoring title in his NBA career, but he will lead the league in assists seven or eight times. He's an unbelievable passer. And with the space in the NBA, the way those guys can shoot, I'm 110% in on Cade. Let, let me ask this question. So, for you know, you were in uh, uh, local sports radio for a long time, Colby. Let's say worst-case scenario happens where they get 7, 16, and 18 or whatever it mm-hmm. is. What kind of value could they package with a team to move up? How far could they potentially move up? Just for those three picks? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean, you might throw Four, Kimba in there somewhere. Probably. I mean, you'd have to give players on your current roster to get up from seven into the top three, I think. A, a player off your current roster. I don't know who, but those picks, seven, 16, and 18, valuable, but not as valuable as Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. So is it kind of like, was it last year, two years ago, draft where there was that, there was that a uh, steep drop-off from three to four. Is that the same as it is this I don't think year? it's as steep this year. I, I think I would have Suggs at four, but I don't think it's a steep drop-off from three to four. I think from four to five is a steep drop-off. That's where you go from Suggs to Kaminga, and I think that's a steeper drop-off. So do you, do you think that, worst-case scenario, they could package with the team to get inside the top four? Probably, yeah. I'd be Regardless of how it plays out tonight, I'll be shocked if the Thunder draft outside the top four because they've got like 47 first-round picks the next five years. You can't draft 47 guys, so at some point they're going to have to package them all together. All right, here's a question to tie this back in. You have two guys coming out of OSU this year, big-time athletes. Yep. Two, both, uh, you know, Austin Eckrode and Cade Cunningham. Yep. Who, let's 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 pose the question this uh, way. Crystal ball. Get All right. My crystal ball. Austin Eckrode or Cade Cunningham, um, let's say major wins at, versus NBA titles. Hmm. That's tough. NBA is team sport, so a lot more has to go right there. Or, or we could just do regular tour wins. <sighs> That's a tough question. I was about to say, I may take Eckrode even in the majors. I think he's going to be an awesome player. I I'd mean, probably take Eckrode because it's more under his control. Cade's going to have to have a good GM. He's going to have to have a good coach. Well, that's he's going to have, have good take, shooters around him. That's why I would take Cade because it's probably easier to win a. Because if he finals. gets in the right situation, well, yeah, and, yeah and, true. And also, I mean, too, I mean, we, we're living the age of super teams, so I mean, Cade could in ten or fifteen years, when he's you know older and lost some of his ability, just go to a super team and get say, three rings on K- the bench. K- Cade could be on a super team next year. The Warriors have a 05 percent chance to get the first pick, and if they got the first pick, oh they would God. have uh, Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond, uh, and Cade. Coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah. That would be, I mean, 0.5%, so probably not going to happen, but you never know. Yeah. Should we do 0.5 some is of, too high. We need to do some sort of lottery in uh, in the PGA. What can we do a lottery for in the PGA? I don't know. Maybe maybe the PGA Championship, instead of letting the top 100 guys in the world in, we let the top 80 guys in, and then we put 81 through 120 in a lottery, and half of them get in and half of them don't. I feel like the, the new... What if we did, for this week, what if we did, like, we each draft, like, Oh, where are the cards at? Where are the cards at? We can do a lottery right now. <laughs> we can do a lottery right now. Yeah. How about this? Um, Whatever number it is, is the guy down uh, on the world golf ranking. Who's in this tournament? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can pull that up. Yeah, we can do that. Guy in this tournament on the official world golf ranking. And you got to take him for your one and done. Oh, no. No, I've, you don't take him for your one and done. Because <laughs> you may not have him. Well, 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 it doesn't matter. The big one and done, I've already no, seen I'm saying of the guys in the tournament. 
Yeah, no, I'm just but, saying. But, but you may have already pool. picked them in, oh, in, you know, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. What I'm in our big pool. By the way, John Rahm did jump Dustin Johnson. I think we covered that, but I'm yep, not sure. John Rahm, number one player in the world. We uh, didn't Dustin cover Johnson that, but that is two. a big deal. Yeah, JT at number three, Morikawa, and then Xander uh, at five. Rory McIlroy caps out the top ten. At number ten, Hovland's 14. Where'd Wolf fall down to with his uh, hiatus? 32, so still very firmly uh, at the top. So how do we want to draw the cards here? We just need to do a side bet on the lottery. We'll do okay. uh, pizza. Yeah, somebody just show up with pizza one day, yeah. and we'll pick golfers this week. Lottery based on the cards many that we draw. Well, let's do. Let's each draw two cards, maybe. I don't know. We're doing this on the fly. We're trying to figure that out as we go. Let's each draw one card, okay. and whoever has the highest card gets to pick their golfer. Second highest card gets to pick their golfer, and then third highest card gets to pick their golfer. Highest golfer of the top or lowest golfer of those three brings pizza. Okay. Deal? Deal? Yeah. All right. So we're only doing one golfer, not well, two? One golfer. Let's All right. just do okay. one golfer on All the lottery. Right. Here we go. You ready for a card? Pick a card, any card. Sam and Taylor, pick a card. Is ace high or low? Ace is high. All right. Ace is high. Six. Five. I didn't. Colby King, here. baby. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. So right, I get so first pick? You got first pick? Um, I mean, I'll just go chalk. I'm not using him anywhere else. I might as well have exposure to DJ somewhere. Give me DJ. Give me the chalk, the defending champ for, our, right. for our pizza bet. Uh. I, I might as well just uh, just go Cantley, the guy that I have in my DraftKings. All right, DJ and Cantley off the board, Tyler. I'm loading up everywhere. Give me Paul Casey. Oh, oh you got right. a big week. You got a lot of eggs in the Paul Casey basket. I, it hasn't let me down yet, except for his 32nd last year. So if that's going to be his worst finish, then so be it. That might actually beat DJ and maybe not Cantley, but DJ has the potential to shoot 80 80. By the so, way, we've got to uh, throw out our one and done picks, and you told me that I was leaving chalk out of my DraftKings lineup. Not putting all my eggs in the basket. But I've got Paul Casey in the one and done. Gosh, Colby. I've got Paul Casey. I knew there, there's got to be overlap. This is this is like one of the primary courses on the PGA Tour where it's the same guys who show up year after year. There has to be overlap. I've got Casey. There's there's about five tournaments every year where I save a specific golfer for that tournament. Paul Casey, I save every year for the Travelers. So <laughs> I, I made sure to make sure to keep him for here because before last year's 32nd, his worst finish was like 17th here. So I'm going to ride with it. And like I said, he's playing the third best golf in the last six months besides Spieth and Rom. So, I mean, there's really nothing to go wrong with there except the fact that I have all my eggs in this basket, which usually breaks on the fly. So. <laughs> Have I picked? Uh, have I picked Brian Harmon yet, Colby? Uh, I think good you did. Question. I, I think you picked him. When, I think you did when I picked him at Harbor Town. It I may is be loading. It is loading. I believe you have. Let's look for Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon. I don't see Brian Harmon. I don't see Brian Harmon. Who did I pick at Harbor Town then? You picked. Uh, I don't remember how long ago Harbor Town was. That might have been the week you picked Fitzpatrick. I think. Oh yeah, I did. Command yeah, F, right. Colby. So you've got. Yeah, uh, yeah you got Brian Harmon. All right, available. I got Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon. All right. So and then Tyler, you've got Paul Casey. Of obviously. course. So a couple of Paul Casey's and a Brian Harmon. What did we miss today, boys? Anything we need to tidy up at the end of the show? Best bets. Best bets. Best bets. Brian yes. Harmon. <laughs> Brian Harmon. Um, I, I think you you got to throw Paul Casey in there. As uh, let me see what his odds are at now. He he just he's got to win here at some point. I would think he's got to win across the pond at some point. Sixteen to one, Paul Casey. That is not very good odds. You can get Reed at better odds at twenty. You can get Scheffler at twenty two to one. I think Scheffler at twenty two to one is worth a flyer. What are Kepka's odds this week? Kepka too low for me, sixteen to one. Yeah, see that's way too high. I don't like Kepka this week. He just I don't think he's gonna care. No, at I don't all. either. One thing I'll say here, um, DeChambeau in twenty rounds here has gained one point eight two. 
He okay. may be he may be a decent bet to come off of his uh, crybaby hiatus at the U.S. Open. He's might, the favorite this week. He might get the breaks because he, apparently he needs breaks to win. So I he's mean, the favorite on on the betting you know, odds. Betting, betting odds. odds. He, he's on, twelve to one. DJ and Cantlay are both fourteen to one on Data Golf. Just so people know, analytically, your top five favorites are Cantlay, Harmon, Casey, Reed, and DeChambeau. And okay. then and then it drops down to Scheffler, DJ, Answer, Streelman, Kepka, Bradley. Yeah, you know. uh, I mean, I don't see a ton of value further down the list. Maybe if you think Stuart Sink's going to win for the third time as a 47-year-old, he's 80-1. to one. Um, Just Wait, not what? a lot of guys. Mackenzie Hughes, 100-1, to one, guy you got in your DraftKings yeah, lineup. Yeah, and he shot a 60 there last year. Yeah. Colby, a guy, he's played 14 rounds here, 1.3 strokes, local boy. Where's Abe Answer? I think answer he, is twenty five to one. I that's not a good enough price for me for a guy to win his first tour event. But it's like you mentioned, Colby. He he plays well when people aren't looking at him. You're right. And no one has mentioned his name this week. You're right. I, I, I think this is a good chance for Abe Answer. What I are really do. what are Guido Milioz's odds? Oh, Guido. Show Gui, me Guido. I think Guido has I, I, eighty to one. If you could bet on, can can you bet on miscuts? I don't think I can bet on miscuts on my side. I'm sure you could find it somewhere, but no, I don't I, have a miscut. No cut hate problem. to my man Guido. I just think <laughs> that after you finish top four in a major when you're totally not expecting it. I mean, what you're just on cloud nine, and it may be too much of a cloud what nine. What about so. Sebastian Munoz? Oh, Sebastian Munoz, my guy. <laughs> there he is. 150 <laughs> to 1. <laughs> Maybe he can get hot. He's 150 to 1. No, you yes! got you gotta put Let's 10 go. bucks on it. All right, Sebastian Munoz. 10 <laughs> there we go. Nice. 10 bucks on Accident. the Columbian. 100, uh, uh, yeah, 150 to that 1. That is hilarious. On Sebastian Munoz. By the way, Ricky, Good stuff. one more. Ricky Fowler. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, Ricky Fowler, I think I saw him just a second ago. 45 to 1. Not, I would maybe put 10 on that. 45 to 1? I don't know, man. To Can, win is tough. To win is tough. I know. Uh, how about this? Throw me, I'm, I'm going to throw you a best bet that you weren't expecting. We had a big choke at Olympic Club last month. KPMG Women's PGA Championship yeah, is Lexi this week. Thompson. Show me Lexi Thompson at 22 to 1. That's my best bet of the week. Okay. Lexi Thompson bounces back after the choke, wins the Women's PGA this week at Atlanta Athletic Club. Uh, odds on favorite is NB Park, Nelly Corda, Jin Young Co., both right behind at 14 to 1. NB Park's 12 to 1. So Lexi Thompson down at 22, down the list just a little bit. Uh, you can get Lydia Coe and Danielle Kang at 22 as well. Brooke Henderson also sitting in there at 22 to 1. The other quarter sister, Jessica Cordy, uh, Jessica Corda is 28 to 1. So Atlanta Athletic Club, good golf course. Good golf course. Was it uh, was it, that the Keegan year? Yeah, and Scott yeah. Verplank contended that year and hit the yeah. he hit the railroad tie in front of the green on like 17, the par three. Those pesky railroad ties. Wait, what year was this? Sorry, I was looking at my computer. The Atlanta Keegan Athletic Bradley. Club. That was the Keegan yeah. year, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yep. Keegan year. Yep, he play, beat uh, Duffner that, in a playoff. Yeah, that 2012? that's right. Yeah, Verplank, 2011. Yep. 2011? Yep. Yep. 2012 was at uh, Kiowa where Rory won by yep. eight or nine right. or whatever. So. Yeah. I like uh, I like Lexi this week. I don't know. Nellie Corda played great last week. Maybe she could uh, do it again two weeks in a row. We'll see how that all plays out. Another great week of golf on the horizon. Good luck to Austin Eckroth this week at the Travelers, the PGA yep. Champion, uh, not at the PGA Championship, <laughs> on the PGA Tour, yep. moving up from the Corn Ferry for a couple of weeks. He'll be playing next week as well. Great stuff. We're back next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.